On this episode, we discuss Mortal Engines. The movie that will make you realize cities that roll around on tank treads and harpoon other cities and then eat those cities are kind of boring. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey there, Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellingtown. Hey there, Dan McCoy and Stuart Wellingtown. It's me, Elliot Kalen, and I'm joined today by a very special guest. Brendan, say hi. Hi, I'm Brendan Hay. This is Brendan Hay. Uh, he's the showrunner of the Netflix animated series Harvey Girls Forever. Third season is out now. Uh, yes. And he is also, you know, a great friend of ours. He's been Aww. a longtime friend of mine. Uh, he's one of my groomsmen, and he has a boatload of stories from when he was the head writer of Star Wars Detours, yep. a Star Wars animated cartoon that never aired. But we <laughs> and <won't>. never will. <laughs> We're not here to talk about that, are we? Uh, I mean, we can, but I think Mortal Engines is far more fascinating. Yeah, so, Brendan, what brought you to yeah, the Yeah, it's, it's more fascinating than Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, I think the success of Mortal Engines proves uh, the pe- world is hungry for cities that eat cities and not... For anything Star Wars related content, yeah, Star yeah. Wars. It's too bad that it's kind of hit a downturn. Mm-hmm. It really and people has. aren't that into it. It's anymore. about time, you know. It's everything has its phase, and Star Wars is done. You know, I was at Engines Edge at Disneyland. Oh yeah, and yeah. The Mortal Engines themed theme park, mm-hmm. and I was just having so much fun riding around in the bumper cars that are shaped like cities on tank trains. Yeah. And Disney Plus is going to be huge because now that they have the engineer, that spinoff of the <laughs> Mortal Engines the franchise, yeah. yeah, the Engineerian is going to be huge. So Dan, what do we do on um, this podcast? <laughs> uh, wait, is Brendan done being introduced? I thought Elliot was about to say something. Oh, nope. how I know you were. Pre- yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm always about to say something, dudes. You got to interrupt me. Once you, yeah. once you, once I pop, I can't stop. So I just- will throw out the reason I know Elliot is because I used to have a X Force dupe uh, screensaver, mm-hmm. and when he was an intern and I was a writer's assistant at the Daily Show, he was probably the only person ever on staff to be like, "Hey, is that a dupe screensaver?" I mean, and we talked for about a half hour, and there you go. And we were, have been friends ever since. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was cooler than that. I was like. Hey, sweet dupe. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. that actually is more more accurate. Yeah, 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 exactly. You were the cool dude in the situation. Yeah, yeah, I was the cool dude in my black jeans and tucked in black Frankenstein. <laughs> <t-shirt>. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, it might have been the Boris Karloff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and you were uh, you were smoking cigarettes and staring at the ceiling wistfully. <laughs> <laughs> Am I? Sydney Carton in the trial scene in A Tale of Two Cities? Possibly. I, I mean, I was kind of <laughs> mashing it up like a traditional French cool guy with Jordan Catalano. <laughs> The coolest of teenagers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, Dan, what do we do on this podcast? Uh, This is a podcast where we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. And today we're discussing Mortal Engines, which was uh, produced by Peter Jackson. Now, you guys keep saying that we watch Mortal Engines, but I'm pretty sure I watched (laughs) Mortal Instruments, City of Bones. Oh, oh no, no, that's no. a different movie. Now, the no, movie I, the movie the I watched person. was yeah, my, the movie I watched was a YA uh, based on like a YA property. Yeah, right? well, that's yeah. Oh, no, no, that's, this one that, is that'd too. be correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and there's sure. a, the bad guy's last name is Valentine. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, yeah, yep, all got turns it. out so far. It that guy that was in that terrible Umbrella Academy TV show. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. wait, haven't seen Umbrella Academy, but yeah, same guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. How I watched the right movie, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Most of the way. Yeah. Let, well, let's. Why don't I talk Robert about what happens Sheehan. in this movie? I 
Okay, that was his name. And you, yeah. why don't we? T- I'll talk about the movie, and we can figure out how much it it uh, lines up or doesn't line up. The two mortal movies mm-hmm. that also star the same guy and have a bad guy whose last name is Valentine. Because the only mortal and are based on YA novels. The only mortal engines- prominently featuring cities. No, don't worry about it. Let's just move on. Okay. No, no, what are we going to say? What are we going to say, Stuart? What are we going to say? I dare you. I double dog dare you. Um, I'm checking my phone. (laughs) Okay, Mortal Engines. So, guys, let's talk about the movie. The movie opens with a voiceover over the production credits, of all things. Uh, Not over footage, but just over the names of production companies. But how in the future, society collapsed and resources were scarce, so the age of the Predator cities began. Long story short... This is doled out to us in not so much clues, but varied info dumps. So I'll just tell you, the movie takes place years after the 60-minute war, when a doomsday quantum weapon called Medusa destroyed the world's big cities, and now the only cities that are left are enormous vehicles on tank treads, something that I never, it was never really explained how the way for a city to survive was to become a tank tread city. Guys, did I miss the No, this was, uh, in a movie that I had a lot of problems with, this was my major problem, which is the entire... The premise of the movie, the basic thing in the movie is that these cities roam around and there's no explanation as to why after the apocalypse that is a better model of (laughs) I'm going to tell you right up top, it's so that you don't get blasted by somebody's Medusa laser. What? If you're driving around, Ah. if you're like hot dogging around Europe, they can't blast you with Medusa. they didn't have Medusa lasers anymore. That was the whole point. Now, the other thing that... Why do they call it? Why do they call it a Medusa when a Medusa traditionally turns a normal thing into stone, and the laser turns stone into rubble? <laughs> That's a, excellent you got, point. You got your bit. That's your tight five on the Medusa right there. Uh, I have to assume they named it after their favorite parody of Madonna, Truth or Dare, the Julie Brown movie Medusa. Truth or Scare? Is it called? I think that sounds correct. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. It's, it's rare that you mentioned poster in a video Elliot store that yeah. I've never ever heard of, but you uh, did. Really? It. Oh wow! Okay. Someone didn't have HBO growing up. Uh, <laughs> the only place where you could reliably find at any time of day one of Julie Brown's two movies, that or Earth Girls Are Easy. Okay, so uh, we're open up, and there's this little steampunk city with a, a multi-ethnic cast. They all love each other. They're great. They're having a peaceful time. There's a girl who has a red bandana over her face who lives there, but uh oh. London is coming, and the city splits up into little tank cities with lots of smokestacks and levers, everything steampunk, and it gets chased around by London, which is this huge predator city that's riding around Europe looking for resources. Again, this is the best way for a city to exist in the aftertimes, uh-huh. is for it to literally mm-hmm. need more gasoline to run itself than if it just sat in one place and sent people out on horses, I guess. But uh, London, we soon learn, is piloted by... He's going to be the villain. How do you know? He's played by Hugo Weaving. Mm-hmm. His name, Thaddeus Valentine, <laughs> who's a sort of, what's his job? He's like an archaeologist, inventor, administrator, pilot. Like what? Like Well, yeah, which gets a little bit too. Also, this does seem to be instead of the road warrior, it's the road bureaucrat. Because instead of mm-hmm. it's like, oh, here's a badass warrior with like tons of fighters and flaming guitars. It's like, no, here's an architect with a room full of uh, navigators and some historians. Yeah. He's got a good beard, though. He does have a good beard. Now, Stuart, you know Hugo Weaving best, of course, from your favorite three film series of films, uh-huh. The Matrix movies. <laughs> yep. So, uh, <laughs> yep. He said uh, he was always uh, chasing that Mr. Anderson, right? <laughs> uh, so here's where so I, I was like and this is around the point where I was like so is it that the world is like too radioactive for the cities to stay in one place? But I don't think so. No. Anyway, I mean, I don't matter. think the no. I don't think that specific weapon I feel like part of what makes that the blaster thing, the Medusa, is that it it's not radi- it's not radiation. It just like 
fucks everything up. Yeah, it's some kind of quantum energy. Which I wasn't, is movie I wasn't paying for, attention to the uh, exposition of the movie, so I can't remember exactly how they explain how it fucks it up, but it fucks <laughs> sure. it up. You were just too distracted <laughs> yeah. by the production logos, of course. Yeah. I mean, th- that would be an amazing scene if it was like, in the 60-second war, the Medusa weapon was unleashed. The Medusa, what does it do? It really fucks <laughs> things up. <laughs> like, it hits the city, and it really fucks that city up. Like, that city is in deep shit after the Medusa hits it. And, the, and uh, Peter Jackson's reading the script, and he's like, yes, Fran, perfect mm-hmm. dialogue. I love it. <laughs> uh, so London catches one of these little cities. It sh- hits it with harpoons and ingests it and starts taking all the people and taking apart the machines and the old tech. And at that point, the cool part of the movie is effectively over. Yeah. We are about 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. in at that yeah, point. Yeah, and I mean, at that yeah. point, that's also when you, we, get, we finally get the title. Like, before yes, the title, yeah. we see a lot of characters running around with a variety of wigs and a variety of, like, <laughs> ye old Victorian London-style outfits that are slightly post-apocalyptic, but not really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you say yeah, that the it's... cool part of the movie is over, but I really had big problems with this uh, opening action sequence. Not only is it incomprehensible... Well, tell me about not it. Not only is it incomprehensible in the way it's shot, but, like... Yeah. It expects you to care right away about what's happening when you're already you're, you're baffled by these cities. Like mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. we already mentioned the Matrix. Like the Matrix starts out with a big action sequence where you like don't really understand what's going on, but you understand enough in that it's like okay, this woman needs to get away from these these people and like and then when weird stuff starts happening, like you have these cops around who are like what the fuck? Like acknowledging that it's yeah. weird. Like, here, it's yeah. like, I don't care about these people right off the bat. I uh-huh. don't know what's going on with these fucking cities. Why do you assume I'm going to be thrilled by this action sequence? Hey, all you know is a little city is being eaten by a big city. It's the circle <laughs> yeah. of yeah. life. What yeah. are you going to do? You're, you're like, <laughs> why does this remind me so much of the Pirates of Dark Water? <laughs> <laughs> and as we've all known, we learned what the mortal engines yep, are, the, which are... The god machines of the Adeptus Titanicus. <laughs> yeah, well, this, the, the the mortal engine we realize now is our own heart, which will eventually stop beating, and we're wasting its time mm-hmm. watching yeah. this movie. Yeah. Now, uh, so we, good, you're in, you're in luck, Dan, because we're about to meet the hero of the movie, and I know you're going to love him. Mm-hmm. He works at the British Museum. Mm-hmm. He's a clumsy eccentric who's very handsome. I would call him like a blander Eddie Redmayne. Yes. His name's Tom Natsworthy, <laughs> and. He has a collection of dangerous old tech that he keeps hidden so nobody can use it. And Instead also of, minions. And he also, they have, there's a there's a hilarious joke where uh, there's some minions statues and they, people think that they are deities from the old worlds. So here's what I don't understand. They have video of the 60 second war, of the 60 minute war. Mm-hmm. They wear the same clothes. They have the old tech. Why do they think the minions were gods when they should have a copy of, at the very least, Despicable Me 3 on hand? Yeah. I will go you one better. You talked about how everything was like is steampunk in this world, and it does not yeah. make any sense to me. It's like after the apocalypse, why isn't everything just like cobbled together from various shit instead of like you've got airships at the, bo- at the end of the movie that's like, okay, I guess Leonardo da Vinci designed this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why is basically everyone in this movie British? Yeah. Like, did they, well, not, too, did they not get blasted by the Medusas? That's one of the weird things is London is, they're in Europe, and they're like, we never should have come to, to Europe. But everyone they meet is British, for the most yeah. part. But, uh, or at the very end, they meet a, a Chinese person. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. Uh, but Dan, I think you're forgetting that after the apocalypse, I'll tell you one thing the Medusa can't destroy. Humanity's innate need for style. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so why should I be in some crappy old airship when I can be in one that 
looks to the past, but at the same time also looks to the future. I call it the Da Vinci 5000. Yeah. It's retro, real retro. You might even call it a renaissance in airline design. Let me take you aboard. <laughs> the Da Vinci 5000 has the latest state-of-the-art old stuff that we found in the remnants of the old uh-huh. cities and put together in some yep. big heap of junk. But at the same time, it's got modern-day amenities. Now, modern day is after the apocalypse, so those amenities include Twinkies, which we'll see later have survived, and also minion statues. So... The great thing about the Da Vinci 5000 or 6000, I can't remember what number I gave this model number, Mm -hmm. is that it comes with minion statues. Dan, how do you feel about the minions? Now, Uh. I I, I want to jump in here. Before I purchase this, you know, before I put cash on the barrelhead or quirks, as they call it. Okay, we got a customer. (laughs) I love it, yeah. Uh, As as our currency is called quirks, which is appropriate since this movie is filled with them. (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So before I do that, I'm in possession of a cassette tape that my mom made me it's a mix it's filled with 70s rock and roll she gave it to me before she died from alien cancer is there oh, any yeah, way yeah. that i could play this Classic in story. the da vinci 6000 or whatever you called it you are in luck <laughs> oh really because we actually have not, <laughs> yes we have a tape player it doesn't work but it looks cool uh-huh. And if you find the parts that would make it work, I'm sure you could install them, too. And then you can bop around <laughs> to your mom's favorite 70s hits. Let's call it like 70s Awesome Mix Volume 1. Oh, wow. Volume 2, of course, you'll save for the sequel. Uh, and <laughs> when you meet up with your alien buddies or perhaps when you read your dad's book about how love came from the stars mm-hmm. in the form of Darth Vader or something, then, uh, you know, it'll all be – you'll enjoy it really much. So how much can I ask you to pay me? How much this? can I ask Wait, there's no, live there's in a world no without a market. You can ask him to pay anything. You have the power. <laughs> and remember, oh. he's paying in quirks. Oh, and you're paying me in quirks. So that's uh, – one quirk is worth what? Like a like a piece of turkey? I don't understand. <laughs> well, it's one eccentricity. So he could start wearing a bowler hat everywhere he goes. Okay. Oh, wow. That's true. So, yeah, you're going to have to pay me by looking like a character from another movie who's been ported into this uh-huh. movie, as we'll see later on. Okay, so we meet this, this guy, Tom Natsworthy. He's talking to Kate. A pretty woman who is looking for information on the 60-minute war, I don't know that we ever find out why. It's basically (laughs) just so that she can meet Tom, and Tom tells her, as he tells everybody, he always wanted to be an aviator, but he couldn't for some reason that is never fully defined as far as I can remember, and so now he's an apprentice historian. So Tom and Kate, or sorry, Tim and Kate, no, Tom. Plus eight. Tom or Tim? Tom. I said plus eight. Yeah, Tim and Kate plus eight. (laughs) I think it's Tom, uh, right? Tom. It is. is it yeah. Tom? Okay. Tom Noseworthy or something. I wrote Tom down Noseworthy. There we go. Or Noseworthy, it could be. Sure. Look, he's more worthy of a nose than a neck. Let's just say that. <laughs> oh, wow. High uh, praise. Like the old saying goes. <laughs> like the old saying goes, better a nose than a gnat, better a gnat than a cat, better a cat than a hat, better a hat than a nose. The circle of life continues. Uh, Tom goes to where they're processing this city that just got eaten stuff, and he impresses Thaddeus Valentine by identifying an old toaster. And we learn that Thaddeus Valentine is Kate's dad. Her name is Kate Valentine. We also meet Tom's friend Bevis, who's kind of a frost-tipped maintenance dude, and he's kind of the Stuart Wellington of the movie. Yeah, he's, he's pretty cool and kind of always underfoot, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's always there when you least expect it, and then he disappears for most of the end of the yes. movie. Uh, so in that way, he's kind of like the Dan too. Oh, anyway, so oh, wow, fair enough. Uh, they and they find in all this old tech a dangerous fusion inverter cell, and Valentine is like, "I'll take that so it can be destroyed and not misused." And you're like, uh, "Guys, don't give that dangerous tech to Hugo Weaving. He's yeah. obviously the bad guy." <laughs> and the only thing that'd be worse is if his boss Max von Sydow showed up and took it from him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so the red bandana lady from earlier, she finally makes her appearance. She jumps out and she stabs Hugo Weaving and she goes, this is for Pandora Shaw. That's right. We're learning the name of a character we haven't met yet before the names of characters we have met. <laughs> Thanks, Mortal Engines. Uh, and Tom chases her around and uh, they run through the giant chainsaw factory that's breaking up the city that I'd eaten. I'm glad that he like. Tom I'm glad that he takes the initiative on this one. That he's like, he's like, fuck it. There's trained professionals here. There's guards whose only job is to prevent people from causing any <laughs> violence. Instead, I'm gonna chase after this person. Like most of my job is to polish an old minion statue, but no, it's time for me to take down yeah. this would-be assassin. And jump among the chainsaws. Yeah, and jump through the chainsaw, like just like the old uh, the old Metallica song, jump yeah. into the chainsaws. <laughs> now, uh, Dan, Stu, how did you guys feel about this giant chainsaw level? Did you think it was just there for the Mortal Engines video game that I assume was being <laughs> developed, but I don't know if it was ever released? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you got to duck, you got to jump. Jump to the I left. Mean, all I know is like for <laughs> it's the uh, controller tutorial. Yeah, for a post-apocalyptic world, they are doing pretty well because they have figured out how to put entire cities on treads and move them around, and they've got giant chainsaw rooms. I mean, like for someone, uh -huh. some place that's supposed to be low on resources, they have done some crazy shit. They are wasting yeah. a lot of resources. It's a it's a system that makes no sense. Yeah, uh, but good thing. It's also boring. <laughs> so, so don't worry. Uh, you won't have time to answer those questions because, or ask them. She, because this woman, this mystery woman, gives Tom a cryptic warning, then jumps down into what is essentially the city's anus mm -hmm. and yeah. where all the waste material yeah. goes. And it's kind of implied that she has, is in danger by doing that. And then Thaddeus shows up and Tom's like, oh, this woman said that you're a bad dude. And Thaddeus is like, yep. And he shoves Tom into the same city anus. And he falls to, we assume, maybe his death. But guess who saw the whole thing? Be That's right. Bevis. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And he's going to go home to his friend, Bethead, and <laughs> tell him all about it while they watch 90s MTV music <laughs> <Yeah>. videos. <laughs> you know... That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's all you got. Now, Stuart, that's all the movie deserves. I called Bevis the Stuart Wellington of the movie. What would you have done in this situation? You just saw a friend of yours get pushed to maybe his death mm -hmm. at, into the city's butt by the man who runs the city, yeah. who is conveniently not surrounded by anybody, even though he was just stabbed. Uh, so what would you do with that information? Uh, what, what, what would you obviously do? Obviously, what I would have done is I would have pulled out my, uh, my hoverboard and surfed down into that butt. To catch to help my friend because I don't want to be stuck on this boring city anymore. <laughs> All right, and Brendan, what would you have done in that situation? Um, I think the '90s music videos actually sounds like a pretty good option just to go back there and just you know uh, numb the pain of watching my best friend having been murdered mm -hmm. uh, with a little bit of uh, Metallica's mm -hmm. one. Okay, sure, yeah. yeah. All right, and and Dan, let's you do it too. What would you have done in this situation? You just saw your best friend mm -hmm. get, I assume, or maybe. I actually don't know how good of friends they are. They just bumped <laughs> into each other. Like there are plenty of people where if I was with a girl and I bumped into them, I'd introduce them. But it's not like they're my bestie or something. Uh, Dan, what would you have done in this situation? Actually, let's say you're Thaddeus Valentine because you have a beard too, just uh -huh. like him. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> what would you have done in this situation? Would you kill this nice boy just to keep your secret that you're maybe evil? Sure, man. What do I have to lose? I've just been stabbed by this lady. Like, no one else is around. Come and Tom, Tom gotta... Natsworthy's pretty boring. I want to, like, zap the world <laughs> with my Medusa ray. Spoiler alert. So I don't think that this one kid is going <laughs> to get in my way. Okay, fair point. I mean, he does later, spoiler alert, as we'll see, blow up an entire prison full of people mm -hmm. yeah. to release one zombie mechano assassin. But okay, Thaddeus uh, Valentine, he's like, the traction cities can't live in peace with the static cities, <laughs> yep. especially this big eastern city called Shanguo, which has a big wall around it. Oh, I thought Shanguo was the person. 
Shane who ran Bo, that. Uh, maybe it might be the same. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, fair the enough. same way that like in Star Wars, sometimes a, a, a name applies to both a race and a oh, planet sure. and a person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think he's the mayor of Shangwo. This okay. is yet another thing that's not explained, like why like mobile cities and stationary cities hate each other and like yeah. what side we're like really supposed to Prob- be on. Whether, probably like, probably take jealousy. Take weaving out of the equation, like why why they hate each other and like why one is better than the other or more evil. Yeah. It's I mean it is it's it's very weird. It's weird that like people are super cons- like Hugo Weaving's nervous that it's going to get out that he murdered somebody who we don't even know yet yeah. because like yeah. this city just ate another city. Uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like these people wouldn't give that much of a shit. Yeah, I mean and also yeah. he could just be like Oh yeah, well, the person I murdered lived in a static city, so of course, uh, duh, she like, had to die. And they'd be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah." Maybe the fact that we don't know why they hate each other is meant as some sort of like allegory against the meaningless of war, because right now it really feels like a star belly, non-star belly, sneech situation where it's like, uh-huh. well, I guess one's better than the other because they think it is. Yeah, and well, as we see later on, uh, Morgan Spurlock has them do a 90-day swap where they change <laughs> lives for 90 oh, days wow. and they realize they're not so different after all. Aww. It's a very surprising ending to this act- blockbuster science fiction <laughs> adventure movie that a hologram of Morgan Spurlock <laughs> has them switch places mm-hmm. and also then he supersizes himself and becomes a giant, eats the planet. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> and everyone there is yeah. like, aren't you problematic for some reason that I forget but kind of remember reading about? And Morgan is like, it's because I unknowingly sexually harassed my assistant. And we're like, oh, of course, that's why it is. But Uh, only for 30 days. Yeah, yeah. They go, spur lock him up and spur throw away the spur key. Uh, mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Wait, who said that? The the police? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, the police. Uh, Just just Sting. Just Sting solo said it, not the whole police. Uh, So uh, don't worry, Dan. You'll find out why they hate each other. Because they hate each other because it's a movie. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Kate, his daughter, disagrees. We can live in peace. And uh, he gets a phone call from the Lord Mayor of London who's like, Thaddeus, your big energy plan isn't done yet. Hop, 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 hop. And uh, pretty soon Kate and Bevis are suspicious about Hugo Weaving's true intentions because why wouldn't you be? He's Hugo Weaving. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, Tom and the red bandana lady, they're walking around in this wasteland of the future inside the giant train tracks or tank treads of, uh, of the cities. And we learn that she's Hester Shaw, daughter of Pandora Shaw, because in the future, there are people who have dumb first names and people who have regular first names. Uh-huh. And the, te- the Toms and Kates and the Pandoras <laughs> and Hesters are in civil war with each other. And she teaches city boy Tom how to drink mud and eat Twinkies, which are kind of the same thing in a way. <laughs> Guys, that's a real hot take. How do you respond to that? Uh, we need to. I want to say that we, as a culture, need to come up with a new shorthand for food that will survive the apocalypse beyond Twinkies. I feel uh, like we've been that? coasting on that for a very long time. Like, uh, except maybe it's because I rewatched Zombieland recently. But I'm like, they have the Twinkies jokes there. I feel like everybody's it's like cockroaches and Twinkies. I mean, you, also because you could say other Hostess products are probably yeah, gonna last. I mean, just that as would long. be great. And also, like, I see the stuff my children eat. There's a lot of that that will survive forever. So just Hollywood, come now, on, Brent, now, be Hollywood for once and pick a different item. I, I don't want to, you know, as a non-parent, I don't want to talk about your parenting. But it seems like you're in control of what your children eat. To some degree. Uh, I wish that were, wish that were true. <laughs> yeah. If uh, Halloween week has taught me nothing else, I am a mere pawn in all of this. <laughs> yeah. They have long cons and wheels within wheels going on all around me on how to get sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's truly uh, it's truly uh, uh, cream. Candy rules everything around me. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, also, I also find that with children's hands being so close to the ground, they have a tendency to just scoop up stuff and toss them in their little mouths. Yeah, kind of like, like, this, oh. kinda like yeah, the city of Twinkies. London. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my my baby boy, who's 15 months today, uh, he is very much a miniature city of London, just walking around, scooping things off the ground, throwing it in his gullet. I have to reach in and pull it out, and often it's like, best case scenario, it's an old Cheerio. Worst case scenario, it's a nail? Yeah. Why is this on the ground? Well, yeah. it's from the mining colony he ate, sure. Yeah, yeah maybe that's it. Yeah. And inside his belly, you're saying there's a little Hugo Weaving who's holding up <laughs> little old-fashioned toasters, mm-hmm. and occasionally pushing little Tom Noseworthy's at my son's butt. <laughs> yeah. <Wait. Yep. laughs> and then I open up his diaper and there's just a little like faux Eddie Redmayne in there going, hey, I got to get back to London. And I squish him because I'm so scared. <laughs> Much better movie. Much better movie. Yeah. And then he radios back to Earth and goes, it's a planet of giants. The mortal engines meet Dave. Yeah. Oh, you know, is it the mortal engines meet Meet Dave? Oh, yeah, Meet Meet Dave. Because if you were to Meet Dave, that would be the movie where Thaddeus <laughs> Valentine is sick and a fake Thaddeus Valentine takes his place and he's kind of a good guy and kind of a goofball. Uh-huh. Yeah. And suddenly he's like making friends with Shang Guo and everybody's like, we like Thaddeus Valentine a lot. Yep. So Dan I'm... got up and left because he doesn't like it when I badmouth the movies Dave or Meet Dave. Yep. Uh, we, we we're just talking about your opinions on the movie Meet Dave, Dan. Uh... Now, the, it's an ironic name because in that movie, Dave is like a is like a robot piloted by tiny guys, so he isn't actually made out of meat. Yeah, I think we might have made that joke about 150 episodes ago on, on this very show. Let me go back and listen. <laughs> Boy. Okay, it's be a long episode, episode one, stealth. Okay, so. They get kid. So anyway, Tom and Pandora and Hester. I'm sorry, Pandora's her mom. Tom and Hester are walking around. They get kidnapped by a kind of vehicle with fake ground on it, and inside they get served tea and cookies because, of course, this is continental Europe and everybody is British. Mm-hmm. And Hester <laughs> explains eventually that her mom was an archaeologist who found something Hugo wanted—a piece of old tech—and Hugo killed her for it and left Hester with a bunch of scars. And Hester was just roaming the wasteland as a kid. Hester obviously knows too much. So Thaddeus Valentine, he goes to this big ocean prison on spider legs out in the middle of the ocean Uh to release Shrike, a leftover zombie automaton killer from the Lazarus Brigade who's obsessed with killing Hester for some reason. Stuart, was this when you went awesome (laughs) and had to like hide your boner from the movie? (laughs) I was like, I don't want the movie to see it or else the Shrike will take it off. (laughs) I mean, this was one of those great scenes where like, it's, you're starting to wonder if every every like domicile or whatever in this every building in this world is built in the most easily to be destroyed manner possible. <laughs> you mean it's a prison that's on spindly spider uh-huh. legs for some and reason? I would think like like taking a city and just slapping it on some treads and having it fucking dune buggy around, like that's gonna blow up. Like that's gonna that's gonna fuck up. Like there's no way that's gonna survive. And then of course later on there's like a pirate colony that lives in the air and like one shrike gets there and it's all fucked up (laughs) there goes the neighborhood (laughs) so what you're saying is in the future people don't think ahead i guess not yeah i will say that there are like two characters in this movie that i found interesting at all one go on one was hugo (laughs) one was hugo weaving's character valentine just because that is because hugo weaving is charismatic not because of any way that the the part is written and then Shrike here, uh-huh. who is played like, by oh, yeah. played by the the cable of my heart, Stephen Lang. But he's yeah. like he actually has the most um, like he, his story carries the most emotional weight over the course of the movie. Like the thing about this film is like I have no idea who any of these characters are or why I'm supposed to care about them. And yeah, yeah. I think and, you've you've pinpointed the main issue yeah. with this movie is they did a lot of world building and they didn't do a lot of character. Building. Yeah, yeah. 
And Strike has the only immediately understandable character goal. Yeah. Of like, oh, I raised this girl. I want to get her back. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, Dan, you were so excited because you're like, Shrike? This is a crossover with Dan Simmons' Hyperion novels? <laughs> and you must yeah, have been yeah. so disappointed when you found out it was a different unstoppable killer And you're, you're a big fan of Dan Simmons' Hyperion novels because, of course, his name is Dan and your name's Dan. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have. You read also a, are not a fan of Resolution. Yeah, I have read a bunch of Dan Simmons novels, but not that one. Not those ones. That's but. why your favorite skins are Dan skins. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I like Dan yeah. Dan. His favorite yogurt is Dan and Dan and yeah, Dan and yogurt. Uh Dan, whether Dan th- oh yeah, your favorite play is those is called Damn Yankees, but you thought it was called Dan Yankees for a <laughs> yeah, long yeah. time. And his his favorite uh Disney animated movie that was later turned into a live action movie is Aladdin. Now you would think <laughs> you would think that I love Dan in real life, but I was very angry at it because there weren't a lot of pancakes in that movie. <laughs> I feel like it was yeah, terrible right. false advertising. You thought, there. It was, you thought it was the life story biopic of the inventor of the pancake yeah. pillow. <laughs> the pillow you can eat. <laughs> Why get out of bed? Have breakfast in bed with the pancake pillow. <laughs> but no, you were wrong. But your favorite Scorsese movie is Kundan, right? <laughs> the story of the Danny Lama. Yep. God damn it. <laughs> no, God damn, God damn it. it. <laughs> so... Uh, anyway, so Thaddeus, he wants to free the Shrike from this prison, so, but he can't do it with anyone finding out he's involved. So he just gets in his helicopter and fires missiles at it until it blows up. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and the Shrike, is, this is after Valentine goes to the prison, shows up, introduces himself, and goes to see the Shrike in person. So everyone, it just doesn't make sense. Why would he do all that? Hester and Tom, they're out in the wildlands. They're getting, they're in the wild ways. They're getting uh, put up for a slave auction, but they're freed by, you guessed it, Anna Fang, yep. a Matrix-style freedom fighter, freedom fighter with little narrow sunglasses, and she's got a gun and a sword, and she has one of those big fights where all the bad guys try to attack her one by one, and she never runs out of bullets from her weird little pirate rifle yeah, shotgun. Yeah, she has like a, uh, she kind of has like a Vash the Stampede type thing going on from Trigun. Yeah, like she's and she's in. I mean, this is in a, that she wears a coat that looks like it's made out of plastic. Yeah, like a bright red, high collared coat. She's got giant hair, and she's like spinning guns and stuff. And some t- and her names out of it, they might be giants. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. And so, uh, Dan, this was your obviously your favorite character, right, Anna Fang? Uh, you know, like again, there's not really a lot of uh, energy put into making this person interesting. Like the she looks pretty cool though. <laughs> yeah, but the idea was yeah. just. I think she's one of these people where she's got those little sunglasses. Yep. Yes, but I think the idea for and everybody this character, else is super. Like dirty and covered in dirt, but she's like, like bright and fresh. Mm-hmm. And they, d- Dan, they did mm-hmm. do the job of casting an Asian woman in the part, which this movie takes as a character. Like, <laughs> well, we know who her character is. She's Asian. No, but what I was gonna say was, like, it's one of these characters where they think it's cool just to make her steely all the time. Yeah, like Steely Dan, your favorite band, because <laughs> it's got Dan in there. Yeah, the and I'm a 41 year old man. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look, the Venn diagram fits. It all overlaps. Yeah, you're either going to listen to Steely Dan or Dan Fogelberg. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, Wait, no, you didn't even finish. (laughs) That was half a sentence that we interrupted Dan's texting someone. Well, I just thought, I mean, like, I got interrupted so much. No, Dan, that's cool, because, no, I mean, you only have a limited amount of time to text, and we're going to be recording all day. (laughs) Well, I mean, if the fifth time I'm interrupted, I feel like what I'm I'm trying to say is not actually valued by the group, so... I gave up. Well, of course it's not. But it's we, valued yeah, by me, Dan. No, oh, that's what Brent Dan is. <laughs> okay. Because he, he values it, and he's your favorite co-host right now because his name is Dan. No, it's just what I what I'm saying before is like the characters are not developed. They're given one thing 
Her thing is emotionless, which is the least interesting thing. So, but she's like good at fighting and stuff. Yeah, I w- uh, Dan, I think you're gonna like her a lot more because she's about to take them on her airship to Air Haven, yeah. the floating pirate city staffed by young, attractive, multi multi ethnic freedom fighters with goggles on their yeah. heads. Mm-hmm. Now, this is when we first start to see people who are not British in the movie. Yeah, I was, I was really I was hoping, like, like, Porco Rosso was going to show up. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have been amazing. I mean, Such this a better movie, movie. At this point, this movie should just become Ready Player One and just be yeah. pulling in characters from other movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. since that's what they want so bad. You just like... send Shrike and Porco Rosso <laughs> off on an adventure together, and we're set. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Also, can I say that, like, every Air City since Cloud City in uh-huh. Empire Strikes Back has had to have these kind of, like... Uh, like basically electronic stalactites uh-huh. on the bottom of them, like mm-hmm. antennae coming down the bottom, and like that's great. It's a great design, but wh- why have we decided that that's the thing? You know, come mm-hmm. on, do a different. Yeah, thing. why didn't you carry over the ugnots? Yeah, more <laughs> yeah. ugnots, please. <laughs> Which is kind of like Porco Rosso, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. They are the, yeah, the Porco Rossos yeah. of the Star Wars universe. Let me a true story. Oh man, uh, we, I was showing Sammy Empire Strikes Back, and he could not wait for the Ugnaughts to be on. <laughs> and I think he was disappointed that they have relatively little screen time. Uh, and and, uh, when, the, and when they're there, they're unpleasant. <laughs> And <laughs> they're also very, they're very unpleasant. And they're, they're basically like if you met an Oompa Loompa in real life, you'd be like, whoa, this is, a li- this is weird. This Gee. guy is not cool. And do you think the Ugnaughts are singing in their own language? They are. So to pull back the curtain on detours, weirdly uh-huh. enough, uh, we, yes, the Ugnaughts very much are singing in their own language. Okay. Um, we did an entire episode where it was the Ugnaughts are basically the most obnoxious species, according to George Lucas. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were intended to be aggressive and obnoxious. So we did an episode about how they're really shitty roommates. And uh, what they're actually trying to talk about is their ska band. This wow. is, I'm not kidding you. This actually is an episode of TV that will never air. Uh-huh. Oh, man, I want to see it so badly. Uh, guys... We're going to have to break into the Lucasfilm vault uh-huh. and steal that stuff, along with the original Salacious mm-hmm. Grum puppet for my Naturally. own personal. So, I mean, so it Danny, literally in the, the original Disney Howard the Duck is in there, too. Uh, oh, wow. It's all been bought by Disney? Oh, no, no. It's all up in San okay. Rafael uh, in Northern California. So, Dan, I think it's finally Pretty time easy. for you to break out that pair of uh, stretchy pants you bought from the entrapment uh, okay. set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, costume and set when sale. Sold- yeah. When they, when they were auctioning off all the props and costumes for entrapment, and Dan was like, if they can make Catherine Zeta-Jones' butt look that good, they'll do wonders on my butt. And it's like, Dan, her butt is always, already looks great. I understand you don't know how butts work. Because and he's like, I thought it was the lasers that did that. <laughs> that was, we've talked about it many years ago on the podcast, how amazing it is that that movie was essentially sold on one shot of the main actress's butt. Like, that was the shot in the, in, I'm surprised that wasn't the poster. It was just her, her butt under a laser beam. Yeah. But, uh. Which brings me to a movie pitch, guys. Oh, yeah. It's called Laser Butt. <laughs> yeah. now, you'd think it's about someone who can fart lasers, and you'd be right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, who who should we cast in this movie? It's not a comedy, keep in mind. It's a tense political thriller. <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones is age-appropriate now to be the mentor figure okay. who trains the younger chosen Laser Butt. Okay, but who would be the young Laser Butt? Dan, you're a perv. Who well, would you cast? Uh, I don't have answer for this, but as long as we're talking about butts, I do want to say, uh, like, spoiler alert, at the end of this movie... Uh, Hugo Weaving gets crushed by his own city and uh-huh. uh, my girlfriend turned to me and was like so if you had an ironic death what would it be and I'm like uh, probably crushed by a giant butt mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> uh, ironic death or the death you chose well, uh, yeah a little from column A a little from column B 
<laughs> so anyway, we're going to learn, Ether in Airhaven, and we learn the story of how Shrike found Hester as a girl, raised her, and she promised that one day he could make her into a robot like him, and then she decided, I don't want to be a robot, and she left and he got mad. Shrike attacks Airhaven, you know it's going to happen, there's a big fight, and it ends when Shrike sees that Hester loves Tom and forgives her, and gives her a locket from her mom, and shuts down while remembering his memories of her as a child. And this all happens just in time for it to be too late, because Airhaven is crashing and on fire. Yeah, it's like, uh, why do uh, you have this realization that you're going to turn good before you destroy this whole city? And yeah, by- <laughs> and also, it's one of those... No, th- go on, sorry. No, no, it just that he he notices that they're in love in the way of like similar to the principal noticing that that girl is in real trouble in the book of Henry, mm-hmm. where he just kind of looks <laughs> into her eyes and like sees her emotions straight through. Well, and this was another thing that made me really angry while watching the movie, where I'm just like, what have we been given to show these two being in love, other than the fact that they are the male and female leads of a movie? Like, she kind of warms Let's to him in see. that she doesn't let him die over the course of the film. But there's, there's <laughs> oh, yeah, nothing there's... that shows that they, like, have some sort of connection. Well, she could, yeah, she yeah. could have cut him loose when he was hanging from a rope, but instead she threw the knife to him. Yeah, I guess that's love, guys. And the power of love allowed him to catch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, don't you think she would suffer some kind of consequences from these air pirates for... Like knowing that this Shrike dude was chasing her, and she led him right to Airhaven, and then Airhaven was exploded. Uh, you'd think so, but they don't even have time to talk about that because, uh oh, Thaddeus found Tom's cache of old tech, and he's used it to rebuild the Medusa. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, when he killed Hester's mom, the tech she found was the Medusa control <gasps> system. Oh no, he's got it working. He kills the Lord Mayor of London with just an Uzi. Yeah. In the. Uh, yeah. And he doesn't even have a cool. He doesn't even have a cool catchphrase line, right? No. It's actually shockingly graphic and direct that execution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially well, it is Mortal Engines. Mm-hmm. That's well, tr- you, you know what? That's true. When the movie's got Mortal in the title, mm-hmm. you know there's probably going to be combat, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's going to be spelled with a K. But that's and that why K I assumed he was going to home run. Mm-hmm. I assumed he was going to freeze the room. <laughs> Not oh them. yeah, that's right. So guys, what Mortal Kombat characters would you wish were in the movie? Maybe instead of Strike. Or Shrike, I should say. Uh, Strike is, is not the character of the movie. I was more of a Street Fighter guy, so I actually don't know the mm, Mortal Kombat Cool, yeah. That you're, well. you're more into like uh, like spacing and poking and all that sort I, of like, stuff. It's just a, a true fact about me. I'm just saying. No, no. It is it is the mo- it is the most Dan moment for me to be like, <laughs> hey, what's the character from a video game you like as a goof? And you're like, um... No, uh, and I don't know the character. I mean, dude, so, so name us. There's a guy named so, Raiden name in it. All right, I'll make up one. Uh, <laughs> Strike Knife is my favorite. There, well, I mean, there is, is a guy named Striker. Oh, okay. Maybe that's who Scorpion Dan's talking who about. Throws a Strike Knife. That, that's yeah, actually true. So, yeah. Now Wait, is, that's is, yeah. is, is so, Ice Ice Sub Zero. Sub Zero. Yep, okay. that's a character. Sub-Zero. Yep, he's one of the originals. His name. Yeah. 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 Okay. He's one of the OGs of MK. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I'll go with Gor. What is it? Goro is Goro, the uh-huh. Goro because arms. everything should have four arms. It's just sure. more fun that way. So yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, go with, uh, that's, his, that's his tagline. <laughs> I mean, I do have I do have four arms. I don't know what you're talking Everything's about. Everything's more fun with four arms. <laughs> oh yeah, Dan, you have four arms. That's true on your yeah. arms. Anyway. Yeah. That's a pun, guys. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he's got that Medusa working, and now he's going to attack Shang Guo. Shang Guo turns out to be kind of this vaguely Pan Asian kind of tailspin, only angels have wings, 1930s Temple of Doom early scenes type place. Uh-huh. And uh, the mayor of Shang Guo is like a, a wise old man in robes with a, some kind of magic amulet that I kept assuming was going to shoot lasers, but it, maybe it was just 
he won the, in the Olympics, I don't know, in the last <laughs> Olympics for the 60-minute war. There's a big fight between London and the Shangwo Air Fleet, which is made up of, as Dan said, a lot of like crazy old Da Vinci helicopters and 30s seaplanes mm-hmm. and things like that. And this scene, it should be really cool, right, guys? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's just him blasting the walls with a giant laser, right? Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's basically just like the opening of uh, of Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah. Oh, well, we're going to get to see the closing of both Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi later, yeah. so it makes sense. Uh, so it, Hester realizes Mom's locket, it has the shutdown key for the Medusa system in it. How has she not found this before now? Well, Shrike had the amulet for a oh, while, I think. Oh, okay, right. That makes but also, sense. But like, it does what take the f- her a long time to open it up till that point. What the fuck? Like, yeah. why, does she, like, this, why does she have a fucking locket with this in it? Like, why... Why to keep it out of the hands of Thaddeus Valentine? Yeah, but the like villain. I give like, all of my weapons keys to my children in jewelry. <laughs> so like it is a very time-tested parenting method. So yeah. like tw- you'll understand when you have kids. Twenty Dan. to thirty years ago, Hugo Weaving was like, "Oh, someday I want to use a Medusa thing," and I realized that this could shut it down. So I got to get it away from this woman, and I'll like burn the house down and injure her daughter in the course of getting it back because no, I, I need don't it think for. He some- knows that. I don't think I don't think he knows that the shutdown key exists. Okay, like it's more like she. I got to keep this away from Hugo Weaving. I better give it to a child because out of the mouths of but babes, why does she, comes why does she know vomit. it's a thing that needs to be kept from Hugo Weaving? Why does Hugo Weaving what like what is going on? Because he's he's Hugo Weaving. Dan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> she's like, weren't you the Red Skull? And he's like, yes, but they didn't give me much to do with the character. <laughs> so I didn't come back. They got a they got a lookalike for later on. It mm-hmm. sounded like. But man, he does that accent so well in that movie. Oh yeah. man, it's like a weird yeah. Austrian specific accent. That's great. Um, so, yeah. so Thaddeus. Oh, what were you going to say, Stuart? Uh, yeah, the. I mean, I'm going to jump ahead to one of the later reveals, of course, that he that uh, that Thaddeus Valentine is Hester Shaw's father, which should surprise mm-hmm. no one, um, <laughs> especially her. She should be like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. Um, but it seems then looking back, it's like. Wow, they jumped to murders, like murdering each other super fast. Yeah. In the scene where they're yeah, well, remembering just... her, them finding the Medusa control box, and then they immediately start like setting stuff on fire and blasting each other in the face. Yeah. I mean, that's the special relationship that dads and daughters okay. have. And mm-hmm. Brendan, yeah. as a father daughter, someday you'll have that where you're both trying to kill each other, uh, Cluzo and Cato style. That I won't. It's not a someday. I believe I currently have that with my twin daughters. Oh, wow. I yeah. mean, it starts, yeah, with them leaving out little toys for you mm-hmm. to trip on. Exactly. Uh, surprising me by jumping on me to wake me up in the middle of the night. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. No, they know that the only way to prevent me trying to murder them and their mother later is to try to murder me first. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it tracks. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the airtight plotting of this movie. I think that's all in uh, in uh, uh, Paul Reiser's book about being a parent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> mortal fatherhood. Mortal, mortal fatherhood. Uh, so anyway, that that the Shanguo fleet. It's too late. Medusa blows up the wall. So many CGI buildings destroyed. Uh, the air pilots take Hester to shut down Medusa. Well, Tom takes a ridiculously long time to change his jacket into an aviator's <laughs> yeah. jacket, and it's like. They're getting on the plane to leave, and he's still slowly reaching out to take this jacket. Uh, he will, of course, live his dream of being an aviator, even well, though I think he has no experience flying. Yeah, which I was going to say, by the way, just as a quick digression, bump me. That's, that was ridiculous that all the characters treated this as like, you finally get to be the aviator, Tom. I'm like, no, this was a childhood interest I took it as. of yeah. like, I want, like, I wanted to be a vet. I shouldn't perform surgery on a cat. <laughs> 
Like that was a terrible, terrible thing. Sometimes we get to live our childhood dreams. When I was a kid, I wanted to leave my house. Mm-hmm. And I did eventually. Well, all right, fair yeah, enough. So yeah. I wanted to run away. And the way I ran away was I grew up. You know, isn't growing up a little bit kind of running away from your past? Dan, have you ever ran away from something? Because uh... there's a tiger right behind <laughs> you. <laughs> it's okay. It's Tony the tiger. He just wants to serve you some frosted oh, flakes. Okay. Phew. But right behind him is a cheetah. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's Chester Cheetah. He just wants to give you some delicious Cheetos. But right behind him is a lion. Oh, um, I don't know how to feel about it after those last two ones. This is a, it's a fucking real okay. lion, Dan. You gotta uh-huh. run. All right, well. No, just kidding. He just wants to tell you about the MGM UA <laughs> Library of Film okay. Titles. And that ours gratis artists. Uh-huh. Uh, but watch out, behind him there's an alligator. Okay, well, I'm just sort of tired of Think this. of possible alligators it can be. Uh, let's see. Uh, is it uh, Albert Alligator from Pogo? That's a weird one, but it okay. <laughs> it was Albert Alligator. You're right. He's smoking a little cigar stub, and he's got a little hat on sometimes. Uh, and he's talking in a dialect that I'm not sure if it's offensive yeah. now or not. But I certainly feel weird when I'm reading it out loud to my children. Yeah, I don't think it's meant to be like an ethnic thing. I think it's just, you know, dialect. Just meant like Pogo dialect. I think that's all it is. Okay, yeah. well, I'll tell people that when they get mad at me about it. Okay, so uh, Tom changes jacket. There's a big air fight. All these pilots we just met get killed. It's kind of like the end of Star Wars that way, where they're like, hey, remember all those characters you've been watching this whole movie? Forget about them. It's time for, <laughs> it's time for Porkins and Biggs and, and Red Five to take the center stage. Uh, Anna Fang has a hand-to-hand pi- battle with Thaddeus Valentine, which ends with her dead. Uh-oh, looks like the Fang got bitten. Mm-hmm. Hester, she plugs in the kill drive and stops the machine before it can fire again, and the people who lived outside the wall of Shangwa were like, too little too late, Hester, but thanks, appreciate it. And Kate shows up, and she's mad at her dad. And her dad has now reached that level of movie villainhood where he no longer cares if he lives or dies. He want, just wants to destroy his enemies. So he's like, I'm going to smash London right into the wall to keep destroying it. And it's like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, Thaddeus runs away. Hester, Hester catches up to him, and there's the reveal, as Stuart mentioned, that he's her dad. Meanwhile, Tom Tim, that's where he flies a plane into London's guts to blow up the gears to stop it, and then flies out, followed by flame. That's right. They stole the endings of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. As I mentioned, <laughs> they put them into one movie, so this movie must be twice as good as either of those yeah. movies. Guys, do you agree with that movie math? I mean, it checks out. Yeah. Yeah, there is a remainder, but it mostly works. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how many how many Empire Strikes Backs do you think Mortal Engines is worth, Dan? Uh, one eighteenth of one. Wow. Okay. I'm yeah. gonna have to I'm gonna wow. have to check the worldwide box office before I can uh, <laughs> tell you that one. <laughs> I mean, then it's actually probably like one one thousandth. But uh, and what about Return of the Jedi, Dan? Uh, one thirteenth. Okay. What about the Star Wars Holiday Special? Oh boy, they're about par. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, uh, Hester's dad is like Thaddeus is like so let's just kill each other that's what we're supposed to do right and Hester goes no I choose life and she jumps onto the rope ladder to Tim's airship or whatever and Hugo Weaving gets in his ship Tim shoots down Hugo Weaving's ship which crashes crashes. Hugo's okay Tim immediately gets gets fucking bloodthirsty there he's like you're fired and then he shoots a missile at him I'm like, wow, you know, it's it takes a lot to kill a man, and he can like look him right in the eyes from where he's shooting that missile. That's crazy. He's cold blooded. Yeah, it's especially, especially after weird after his girlfriend of a day is like, no, I won't kill you, yeah. and he's like, hey, babe, I'll take care of this one. And, 
Where she may be like, no, no, no he's my dad, he's my dad. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy, this is going to be awkward. Uh, and then, uh, as mentioned, Hugo Weaving is crushed under London's tanks treads. So ironic. London crawling. <laughs> <laughs> you say London crawling? I did. <laughs> but I like as you said it so quiet because you were both proud of it and ashamed of it. And yeah. you're like, if they I wasn't really sure I wanted to commit to it. If they don't like this, I can pretend I didn't say it. If they do like it, then I'm like, cool for saying it so little. Uh, yeah, I guess London crawling was crawling to the faraway town, Shanguo. Because <laughs> war is declared and the Medusa rains down. Yeah, Ooh. calling to the underworld, which I assume would be uh, <sighs> yeah. the people who live in the tank treads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, get out of the cupboards, you boys and girls. The oh, cupboards, then. of course, being Air Haven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or is it covers? Get under, the co- get under the covers. Get under or... the covers? Oh, boy. I think... Turns out I don't know the lyrics to London Calling you, you as well as I thought. Far. Guys, Point is, Joe Strummer is trying to warn us. Yes, about mortal engines. Uh, guys... Shanguo, the mayor is super cool. He's like, people of London, come and join us. And Tim and Hester, they kiss finally and fly off, planning to travel the world together. And we're left with some questions. Will the world of Mortal Engines be okay? Will someone else find the Medusa Drive? Will their two-day-old relationship survive being on a small plane with no bathroom for, I assume, weeks on end? I guess we'll find out in Mortal Engines 2, Summer Vacation. Okay. Uh, Let's just speed on to final judgments on this. Yeah. Whether it's a good, bad... Let's drive our city tanks yeah. over to Final Judgment. It's a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like. I, I want to say... Uh, I'll, I'll start off. Uh, I feel like, actually, my girlfriend made the most salient uh, critique of this while we were watching. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I I mentioned her a lot, but we watched the movies together. So if she makes a good point, I want to pass it on. And um, it's... This is a this is an awful lot of backstory and explanation for yeah, well, what she's about to say. Yeah, uh, what is this? The opening twenty minutes of Mortal Engines. <laughs> <laughs> well, she made the point that like you know this movie is obviously trying to be this big fantasy epic like a Star Wars or something like that. But what it doesn't realize is those movies don't actually have. A ton of action overall like a lot of it is the anticipation of action like as the as you're saying they're edging us the star wars movies are edging us along. well the like yeah. they have less than kind of like you imagine like as they go along uh i think like each progressive sequel does have more action in it but that's because you've already learned the world you've learned the characters so there's more room to just skip to that stuff but like a lot of it is the anticipation of action this has no anticipation of action uh-huh. it like thinks that you want shit thrown at you every single second which doesn't leave time to learn about characters or their motivations <laughs> and i sort of assumed while watching it that this was a uh, as we've said this is based on a series of young adult novels and i sort of assumed it had so much plot i was like okay they probably took multiple novels and boiled it down uh-huh. and i looked on wikipedia i was reading summaries of the novels like no this is basically the first book they made a lot of changes in the second half but it's basically the first book and uh it's written by fran wash and philip Aboyans and i think maybe peter jackson himself i'm not sure but like the script is the not script the and yeah. you know obviously they're the team who did lord of the rings and the hobbit and people criti- criticize the hobbit for taking a fairly simple book and expanding it into three movies. Uh-huh. This is one case where I wish they'd taken one book and expanded it into three movies. Like I actually wish they'd done the same Hobbit thing here because there's so much shit going on. I think it would have worked better if it had more time to breathe. Yeah, bad, bad is what I'm saying. Yeah, when I was watching it, I was, I was like knowing that this is the first book in a series and knowing it was made by it was you know made by the people who made the Lord of the Rings trilogy. 
it made me think about like what makes what was some of the things that made Fellowship of the Ring work so well as a first movie. And parts of it are like, aside from the opening, you don't have any other big battles. Like you have some fun, like you have action sequences, but like it doesn't end with like a big, like armies facing off against each other, blasting lasers at each other. Um, and you, it does take the time to build the, like develop these characters. Um, also, Part of the problem with this movie is so much of the just why. Like, why should I care about any of it or anybody? Like, what are their beliefs? What, why, should I care about the people of London? Should I hate them? Should I care about Hester Shaw? I mean, her only motivation is revenge. And that's a relatively thin motivation. And she, I don't know. No, you're right. Yeah, like it's no, yeah, no, it's all true. Yeah, there's it's it's there's a lack of character and a lack of reason to like it. I'll mention Dan. Uh, my wife was watching with me and Brennan, and she made an interesting comment, which was <laughs> she fell asleep about thirty minutes. Well, in. Well, I, I have to say, for once, I watched this in two parts because we were watching it. I started falling asleep. And she was like, "Honey, we can watch this uh, the second half tomorrow if you got to take a nap." <laughs> Very wise. You were just so worn out from all the excitement. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna say that it's also bad. Bad. There's a lot of neat looking stuff in it, but it's they. It's like they, yeah, they for, they forgot to give us characters or a plot that we would care about. Brendan, yeah. I know you're gonna say something different. I'm gonna go out on a ledge here. Uh, no, it's bad. Bad. It's super boring. Um, but <laughs> the my main hope or takeaway after it is. I wish a different Peter Jackson had shown up. I wish it was... Some other guy with the same name? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Give that guy a chance. Um, no, but like the Peter Jackson of like Dead Alive, of like Frighteners, of, or Meet the Feebles even, basically who would take a crazy concept and make it fun mm-hmm. because all of the other problems wouldn't have also mattered to me as much. Like if I couldn't explain it, but it was at least fun, it was so somber and serious. There is no joy to be had in a movie that is about cities on tank treads eating other cities. Which I'm sure is the reason he bought the rights to make that book into a movie, yeah. right? Like, and and the thing about the thing about Peter, like I've been thinking about this a lot because there is that like dream that Peter Jackson's just going to make another fun like low budget movie. But I feel like he's become, I'm he's become such a like industry now that like if he were to make a small movie. He like he would not be able to hire as many of the people that rely oh, yeah. on him. Thousands thousands of people would be out of work if he decided to make Bad Taste too. Yeah, and there's something like that. Although uh, I wonder if now that you mentioned him buying the rights to the book, I wonder if he was like, "Get me that YA book, the Mortal something," and he wanted Mortal Instruments, <laughs> mm-hmm. City of Bones, yeah. and they brought him this one. He was like, "This wasn't the like when you when you tell your grandma like, oh, get me that Avengers movie,' and she comes back with the boot with the uh, with the generic like uh, yeah. like the Avengers, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the ripoff, and you're like, grandma, I'm sure this is just as good. In fact, I think that's what happened. Peter Jackson sent his grandma out to go buy the rights, oh, and man. she got the wrong rights. Oh, Grammy Jackson, grandma doesn't know." <laughs> Yeah. Going into a bullseye interview, I know it's somebody who does amazing work, but it's an actual conversation. I don't know where it's headed. The, absolutely. I, you're absolutely right. You said it actually better than I did, so I have to think about what that means. <laughs> <laughs> hey, these are this is this, this is the straight talk that, that you're going to get on this show. Bullseye, creators you know, creators you need to know. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we host One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. 
Whether you are a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. These are really hard questions. They are really hard questions. I don't have any answers for that. I don't either. Sack of garbage. No. Ah! Uh. <laughs> End of the show will just be five minutes of Biz and Teresa crying and screaming until the outro is played. So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Find us on MaximumFun.org, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's move on to uh, a few uh, sponsors. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Before oh, we okay. talk about our regular sponsors, I was wondering if we could let Brendan talk a little bit about the new season of Harvey Girls Forever on sure. Netflix now. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, starting November 12th and anytime thereafter, uh, season three of Harvey Girls Forever will be streaming on Netflix. Um, it's the third season uh, about our show, which is about uh, Audrey, Lada, and Dot, three classic Harvey Comics characters reimagined for uh, modern audiences, and their goal is just to make it make their block the best place to ever have a childhood. It's trying to keep the feeling of that time between when you left school and before you went home for dinner alive forever. Um, we try to keep it relatable for all kids and adults and a lot of jokes for people of all ages, uh, especially the episodes written by Elliot here. Oh, yeah. There's uh, two, written by me. Yeah, one of them does feature a Judas Priest-style song about a tr- uh, trove of deadly toys that were pulled from the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, season three has just premiered where we add Richie Rich, uh, far and away the biggest name out of the Harvey Comics characters. Uh, he joins our cast for this season, uh, voiced by Jack Quaid from The Boys. Uh, he's super hilarious and really fun, and we reimagined him also, so now he's a self-made child billionaire, and uh, yeah, just, I think a pretty fun character, and uh, yeah, we have some good comedy folk always in there. Lauren Lapkus is our star, and we've got Danny Pudi, and this season we've got Kristen Chenoweth and Anna Camp, and... A whole lot of really funny people coming by and uh, having a good time with us. It's a really fun show, and I like it a lot, and my children like it a lot, and I think you'll like it a lot, too. That, and uh, if enough people watch, maybe you'll finally get that season where you can bring baby Huey in. That has been our dream the entire time. <laughs> I think, actually, oh, you know what? I don't want to spoil, but I'll say uh, astute watchers uh, to season three. Perhaps there is some baby Huey Easter eggs in there. <laughs> Which would be huge eggs. It's ginormous eggs. An enormous bird. <laughs> now, I apologize for not actually previously being uh, familiar with the show, but um, I have to ask. So, it's based on these Harvey Comics characters. Have you expanded? Uh, have you expanded the character of Dot? Because if I recall, her whole thing was just <laughs> that she liked polka dots. Yes. Uh, no, that was absolutely our Audrey. Thankfully, Audrey actually pretty much worked as is. Dot, we expanded to be. Um, she is very, very precise and exacting about everything. So to her, it was like, the dot is the most perfect thing ever because it's a perfect uh-huh. circle. Mm. So it's something she always strives for and loves, but it's more of just an yeah. exacting character. And then she starts seeing um, dots everywhere, and then those dots become spirals, and then her body starts <laughs> growing into a spiral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's called it's called Uzumaki Girls Forever, yeah. yeah. And, then she ends, and then she meets Spiral and goes to the Mojoverse, and yeah. Whoa! What? It's a pretty cool crossover. Spiral is one of those X-Men characters that I love, and I don't know why, because I've never read a story where she's been any really good in it. She's a cool design. Yeah, uh, she's got that weird samurai helmet and, and, and all six those arms. arms yeah. yeah, And those furry um, boots, boots yeah. with the fur, mm-hmm. yeah. apple-bottom <laughs> jeans. <Yeah. laughs> Spiral gets low, low, low. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Lada, we took basically Lada as is, but made it her. She has an appetite for life and for love and for passion and took out the fact that 
every comic basically just had jokes about her eating giant sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Save that for Dagwood. Did- <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Look, it's his bit. I don't want to steal it. Uh, okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Guys. Moving on to sponsors. Um, I do want to say I don't feel like we acknowledge this enough outside of the Max Fun Drive, but uh, the Flophouse is supported overwhelmingly by listeners like you who choose to donate at MaximumFun.org. But we also have some corporate sponsors this week. The Flophouse is sponsored in part by Squarespace. A dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. Make it a reality with Squarespace. Create a beautiful website to showcase your work, blog, or publish content. Sell products and services of all kinds and more. Whatever your heart desires for a website. Squarespace helps by doing get by giving you by doing you. By giving you <laughs> I mean, some websites are about doing you, but then <laughs> they help. Space. And they, they help in a way, yeah. yeah. They help one thing. Squarespace has a beautiful customizable mobile optimized templates to, created by world class designers. A built-in search engine optimization and analytics to help you grow and 24-7 award-winning customer support. Check out squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Uh, guys, I had an idea for a website, and I was wondering if it, if uh, Squarespace might be able to help. It was inspired by this movie that we're talking about, uh-huh. uh, and it's so we're all worried that at some point a city's just going to come along and eat us, right? Yeah. We saw it in the movie. It's pretty scary. Like, what if Pittsburgh just comes? Have you heard of the fish that ate Pittsburgh and the car that ate Paris? Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Well, what if Paris was eating cars? Oh and no! Pittsburgh was eating and fishes. Paris was burning. Was it a fish that saved. Yeah, well, I mean Paris. <laughs> I mean Paris is burning in the, in the dance floors all of, of of the world, but the. Uh, no, the what if there was a way uh-huh. to track these cities and to know where they're coming uh-huh. from? That's mm. why I've got CityTracker.com. That's the idea. Okay. It tells you where every city is located whenever you check, mm-hmm. just in case they might have moved. And you could put a tracker on any city in the world, and it'll tell you if that city has moved and gotten closer to you, so you know to get out its way. Now, what if you were in one of the cities? Uh, the, your phone would explode. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So you're, you're partially using it on your phone. If it's on your laptop, the laptop. Would so explode. you're partially subsidized by a venture capitalist firm who uh, who makes money off of people having to buy new phones. Yes, it's called Apple. Oh, wow. And <laughs> and so I hope maybe Squarespace will help me get this so that it can scale to all different types of explodable uh, media yeah. or platforms. Uh, so anyway, that's CityTracker.com. Look out for it, so you'll always know where cities are. Mm. I have been looking for some cities lately, so thank you. Yeah, no problem, uh, Dan. What's next after Squarespace? Uh, I believe I sent you a couple of Jumbotrons. Oh, jo, jo, Jumbotrons. That's right. I've certainly got one. This message is for Rusty. This message is from Haley. Happy 40th birthday. I hope this message finds you sometime around November 7th. But if not, oh well. You're still getting a shout out on one of the greatest podcasts of all time. Mm. You'll always be the bikini to my car wash, the castle to my freak, and you make every day feel like cage miss. Dottie and I love you so much. Now, I'm staring down the barrel of the big 4-0 myself, guys, mm. so I wish somebody would have uh, get such a nice message for me on one of my favorite podcasts. 
All right, Stuart, I'll get you a jumbotron on uh, on some kind of uh, small figure painting podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I don't, I don't know if any or of it. Or car I'll talk. What? Car talk. Or car talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's hard to get jumbotrons right on car talk since they just run reruns since one of them. Yeah, is dead, and also so uh, jumbotrons is kind of a specific to Max Fun thing. So car talk's not few. on Max Fun. <laughs> I mean, it should be. To be honest, if you told me there, that car talk. If before, if I didn't know it was a public radio show, if you told me it was on Max Fun, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, like two crazy guys who are brothers and they yeah. talk about cars, but really they kind of talk about whatever and they tell a lot of corny jokes." Yeah, that fits on Max Fun. Sure, Jesse, get on it. Get get the car talk mm-hmm. license. Okay, I've got a jumbotron too. This message is for Ollie and it's from Emily, and it reads. Happy anniversary to my sexy science nerd. Thank you for the best year of my life. You are the most caring, loving, fun person I could have found. Parentheses. And that ass, though. And wow. Parentheses. I'm so glad that you accidentally accepted my friend request. I'd rather be in a long-distance relationship with you than a short-distance relationship with anyone else. So that's for Ollie from Emily. A couple of sweet messages oh, yeah. from, from people. It's adorable. Uh, are there any other plugs? We've done our... Uh, touring for 2019, we're in talks mm-hmm. for 2020, figuring out where to go. We passed, we passed the touring yeah, test. That's, that's when people we do a show and people tell us if it's a computer or <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a robot or not, basically. Um, yeah. yeah, we've plugged Brendan. Uh, do you guys have anything? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> at all, anything? Well, we can always remind people life? that there is. There's, there, I mean, yes, I, there's lots of stuff. <laughs> there's uh, Flophouse merchandise available online. Uh, Stuart is looking into some new possible things for future shows. Yeah, uh, I got my fingers in a lot of pies. Merchandise specifically. <laughs> yeah, merchandise specifically. Uh, and we just, uh, I don't know. I, you can always go pick up a copy of Horse Meets Dog, but we could also move on to the next part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Sure, I just, you know, I just wouldn't want to blow over you guys. You yeah, know. yeah, give us a chance to, uh, you know, uh, strut around like the peacocks that we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Dan, blow over me for a second. Oh. Ooh, that feels nice. Okay. Oh. Oh, that feels very nice. So I don't like this bit. Oh, d- d- it's oh, a 40 yes. days and 40 nights thing. Yeah, Never yeah. talk about <laughs> that like movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this first letter is from Julie, last name withheld. It's a mm-hmm. follow-up to a previous letter. Uh, Julie writes, please accept my apologies for the confusing email about coming-of-age movies. To clarify, what movies can I show my son once he becomes a 13-year-old man that he would not have seen as a mere 12-year-old boy? Our secret theme to his bar mitzvah is werewolf bar mitzvah. So maybe ginger snaps works? <laughs> Love always, Julie. And uh, I just want to point out, I correctly interpreted this email. Elliot foolishly thought it was about coming-of-age movies. So put it on the scoreboard, Stuart. Uh, okay. You're right. I guess you're Danny champion of the world. Okay, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm Elliot, the big biggest loser. Yeah. So it so. looks like uh, Dan's got a point, and Elliot's got <laughs> 300 points. <laughs> <laughs> neck and neck. You're getting closer. I can feel you nipping at my heels, I Dan. I just wanted to get on the board. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, it dep- this obviously depends on uh, when, uh, when he turns 13. But I would say, I don't know, maybe like... Star Wars Rise of Skywalker? Because <laughs> he wouldn't have been able to see it when he was a little guy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's been so hard for him to see Parasite before he turned 13. Uh, I reckon, you know, there's a couple of the kinds of movies I started watching when I was 13 was like, that's when I became a real serious cineast. Uh-huh. And so I'd recommend maybe like Hitchcock's movies uh-huh. are good ones to start watching when you're like 13. But also... The ones I plan to show my son when he turns 13, Robocop, Alien, Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, mm-hmm. the violent and swear-filled movies that I can't show him now, but when he turns 13, 
God says he's a man, so I guess it's time for him to watch movies where people's head explodes. I just yeah. watched. I just watched a movie that my mom made me watch when I was a little kid because she thought I'd love it. Uh, I watched Creep Show Two again, and yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah I don't. My the mom's rap pretty, segment is pretty good. Otherwise, it's yeah, not that great. I mean, it's. I mean, yeah. it's all pretty good, but it also like as a kid, like I couldn't swim in a lake ever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is funny. My exact pitch on that was going to be horror anthologies actually because that was kind of my gateway to horror was around 13 and it was like I mean partially it was the TV show like Tales from the Dark Side or Tales from the Crypt but it was also like the Tales from the Dark Side movie or also yeah. then loving the two creep show movies so I, I also yeah, watched Tales entryway. from the Dark Side the movie this week and uh, <laughs> wow what a I just love that there's the college students are Christian Slater Steve Buscemi and Julianne Moore uh, <laughs> um yeah, if we're talking about movies that uh, that we uh, watched when we were thirteen, Dan, you you answered Dan, you answered this question the right way last time. You don't need to worry about an answer this no, time. No, no, no. I, I was gonna say. Uh, so if you want to do it, uh, Dan McCoy style, what you got to do is you have to uh, you should uh, purchase some premium cable channels, preferably at this point in time, uh, Showtime. Just okay. have them around, yeah, so your son can sneak out late at night. <laughs> and watch whatever erotic programming is available. Well, like episodes of Shameless? That's yeah, yeah, Showtime, that's what I'm saying. Right? <laughs> yeah, Showtime, so assuming you like yeah. Nurse Jackie? Uh, Ray, Ray Donovan yeah, Ray gets Donovan. pretty hard. Or, you know, like have it scrambled and then like have him hear like an urban legend that if you like run it through your VCR, it descrambles it a little bit. Oh, cool. Or if you, oh, if yeah. you flip back and forth between the channels really fast. Yeah, yeah you get a unsealed. few seconds of clarity yeah. before it goes out. Yeah. You see, Dan, I would have thought you'd say Cinemax, the, show, the channel that... After a certain point, it was just like, this is what we yeah, do. Yeah, Cinemax is good, too. <laughs> HBO has cleared all that stuff off. Like, it's trying to pretend it never happened. But uh, I was mm-hmm. talking to somebody about the show Dream On recently, and they did not know it had ever existed. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like, this was HBO's bread and butter for yeah. a while. It was like a dumb sitcom where ladies took their shirts off. Yeah. Like, that's all they yeah. had for a while. I, uh, You know, I just got done watching the first season of The Righteous Gemstones, and I feel like they kept the nudity, but it's... All dudes wieners. It's all wieners. All over. <laughs> it's all like guys with big old bellies with wieners. Yeah, good stuff. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's HBO Home Ball Office. Uh, <laughs> the second and for this episode, the final letter is from Hannah, last name withheld. Hannah writes, Dear Dan, Stu, and Elliot, and I guess, uh, of course, Brendan, our guest. Oh, uh, she wrote that? How did she know? Uh, you know, we got to ask Hannah. Uh, I want to start by saying I love your podcast. Uh, Dan, she's a child assassin. I don't want to get on her bad side. (laughs) Uh, Here's my question. I did a cool mental exercise recently where I figured out what interests me in a character. I thought it might be cool for you guys to give it a shot too. So think of like three to five favorite characters uh, from different pieces of media or canons if you like. I did ten, but you don't have time for that. Um, Once you have them all lined lined up, see what they have in common. Some of mine were Han Solo, Loop from the Adventure Zone, Hawkeye from Marvel Comics, uh, not MCU. She's very clear about that. And and Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Take that, Jeremy Renner. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's right. Uh, (laughs) Using them and some others, I found the thing that I look for are characters who are self-determining, self-actualizing. They decide what they're going to be slash going to do, and they become it or do it, good or bad. They make their own paths rather than following. Maybe this is too complex a question, but I'm really curious as to what draws the floppers to characters. Keep on flopping. Hannah, last name withheld. Um, 
Yeah, if you don't have anything off the bat, I I thought about mine. I picked um, Sherlock Holmes, of course. Sure. Like Hannah did. Uh, mm-hmm. Scrooge. Because the thing you like is characters who are addicted to cocaine. Scrooge, Mc, Scrooge McDuck. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cocaine. Still. And Indiana Jones. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> and the things I came up with for those are um, they're kind of like these characters that have this this comfortable normal life. Uh, from the day to day, but they cannot be happy unless they're out on adventures. Um, and also, they're all sort of throwback characters in a way. I mean, obviously, like Sherlock Holmes is not throwback; he's just old. But uh, you know, uh, Scrooge McDuck is in that tradition of globe-trotting adventurer, and Indiana Jones is a self-consciously uh, old-fashioned. Uh, story. Also, my my girlfriend like immediately when I told her these characters, she's like, "Oh, they're all grumpy people who are secretly nice underneath it." And and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't notice that. It takes so- take someone who spends a lot of time with me to see what I might have in common with these characters that would draw yeah. me to them." Yeah. But also, um, mm-hmm. a couple of other characters like uh, I really like, despite Chris Pratt's um, weirdness in real life. Uh, and the fact that he was his character was not particularly written well outside of the Guardians films, I think I don't like how he was treated in the Avengers movies as much. I like Star Star Lord a lot, and I like Han Solo obviously a lot, and both of uh-huh. those are kind of the same uh, guy who's secretly very ca- capable, but is also kind of a doofus, uh, uh-huh. and I find that very appealing. I don't know about secretly. They're always talking about how great they are. Okay, not secretly. But, the, like, well, secretly in that, like, beneath their bragging, they actually are good at what they do. But they're also, like, just dorks. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's see. Uh, so I'm going to pick three. Let's see. Uh, obviously, Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Old China. Ooh, good one. Uh, Alexis Rose from Shit's Creek. And uh, I guess <laughs> Tetsuo Shima from Akira. So let's see. What do they have in common? <laughs> what do they have in common? All right. Interesting. Go uh, on. Jesus Christ. Well, they, I mean, they all have an impeccable sense of style. Okay. Uh, they have great, mm-hmm. great so. hair. I mean, hair is a big deal. Um, oh, yeah. Tetsuo has fantastic hair. Uh, I think they're, you know, a little mysterious backgrounds. Uh, but they're also, yeah, I think they're, they're capable. Uh, let's see. Uh, they're, they're uh, you know, the... They're products of the the hostile environment in which they exist. <laughs> that they uh, have to they have to deal they have to overcome their adversity, and they do it kind of you know. Uh, and they're all they're all they have magic powers, and yeah, it's all <laughs> great. All wait, <laughs> Al, wait, Shit's Creek. They, they do. Yeah, you haven't been watching Shit's Creek. It's crazy. It's crazy. Later seasons. I guess I have. I haven't gotten past the first season yet. I guess it, I guess it gets a little yeah, different. Yeah. Well, you gotta catch up. Uh, I picked four characters. One of them is a kind of a grandfathered in. I don't feel the same way about them, but I did for such a long time. Those characters, Spider-Man, Nick Charles, Bugs Bunny, and Hall of Famer, Boba Fett. And I guess thinking about them, they all have kind of like uh, a certain amount of real competence, but also confidence in themselves, except for Spider-Man. And they've all got, Stuart mentioned style, they've all got their signature look. Mm-hmm. You can identify them by a silhouette. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the silhouette shows you Nick Charles' mustache and also he's holding a whiskey tumbler in his hand. Uh, and uh, except for Boba Fett, they're all real talkers and jokesters. Mm-hmm. So who would have thunk it? Now, Boba Fett, of course, I've talked on the podcast previously about how I liked him when I was a kid because of the fantasy of being so cool that uh, people were just always in awe of you, and also you had, wore a mask so no one could see your true face. Mm-hmm. But, 
you know what? He's kind of a doof when it comes down to it, since, as we've seen in the Star Wars movies, he's not very good at his job. Yeah. Everyone thinks he's great, but it turns out he just has a good press agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a cool helmet. Yeah, I have to assume there's like there's some kind of Fox News type thing in the Star Wars universe that's always spinning Boba Fett's failures as huge <laughs> victories. And they're like, Boba Fett showed those rebels, got knocked into the Sarlacc. <laughs> they fell for his trap. Oh, boy, he's playing three-dimensional chess here. Although that's a Star yeah, Trek yeah. thing. He's, anyway, yeah, he's, like the, uh, he's like that character King in One Punch Man, who everybody thinks is the strongest man, <laughs> but he's actually just a guy who looks scary. <laughs> <laughs> so Brendan who do you choose um, alright so obviously it was Rorschach John Galton Zack Snyder Superman um, <laughs> I don't think that says anything oh, about no. me <laughs> oh yikes um, oh um, boy no my uh, my three uh, I went with uh, Raylan Givens uh, the Elmore Leonard character from both oh, nice. books and Justified uh, Martin Blank from Gross Point Blank and Yorick Brown from Why the Last Man okay um, and basically it was all would be smartest men in the room type who cover their emotions and humor was what I kind of realized and mm. ultimately most at least two of those three are ultimately pretty damaged underneath but all three are slowly trying to be a little more self-aware and better and one of them has a pet monkey and one of them does have a pet monkey and honestly let's I mean, Raylan would have been even cooler with a pet monkey. <laughs> and the monkey has a gun, too, and little sunglasses. And a hat. And a, yeah. Yeah. And a hat. Yeah. He's got to have a hat. You know what? And then they that they could do another season because it would be about oh the monkey. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. The monkey's traumatic, traumatic past. In, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. Yeah. Every monkey that you see that is a pet has a traumatic past. Oh, mm-hmm. there, nobody like recruited that monkey out of college, and the monkey was like, yeah, this sounds great. I'd love to be your pet. <laughs> oh, man, you're, no. you're putting uh, friends into stark relief right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's clear now that that Ross and Friends is a bad person, right? Yeah, that I he's think a society bad dude. is what? There's no, there's no, there's no monkey who is hanging out in the jungle and is like, I really wish I lived in an apartment in New York and someone else who was not even my species controlled when I ate and where I shat. I would love that. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay, Dan. Counterpoint. Argue why monkeys want to be pets. Uh, um, they like. Grinding organs uh, or dancing to organs that are ground? How does that work? <laughs> what, what are you with all those no, ground up or organs? Is that a pet is, or is that a coworker? <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's move on to recommendations. Movies that you should watch definitely instead of Mortal Engines, which was a big waste of everyone's time. Um, editorializing. I'll, I'll go first. I, I, I want to do... No, no, Dan. Dan, I appreciate you going out on a limb after this podcast. We were pretty ambivalent about whether we didn't like it or not. Uh, I'm going to uh, run through, actually, a bunch of movies and do it very quickly. Because wow. this Think of this as my Shocktober, like a cap to the Shocktober season. Uh-huh. I saw, like, literally... 11 or 12 uh, horror movies over the past couple uh, of weeks, and Mm -hmm. I just want to highlight a few of them. Um, I saw the movie Pieces, which I think is a Spanish film. Am I right in that? I think so. It's a a slasher. It's it's not a good movie. It's a very silly movie. Uh, It's a slasher movie with all that implies. If you are not uh, into a movie, it's like slash fiction. No, I'm just saying, it, if you are not into a movie that has a fair amount of female nudity and violence against women, I understand, but that's like a big component of what slashes are. Uh, if you want to see a dong, though, there is one in that movie, so cool. there you go. Dong alert, dong, dong alert. alert. Nowhere, nowhere else to see <laughs> yeah, it, but it's a it's a <laughs> run to pieces. It's a very, very goofy horror movie. I, I, I showed it in my house. If you want a movie that a lot of people are going to have a, a ball laughing at. It's so a good one. So come to Dan's one. house. 
Um, yeah, come to my house. Uh, I saw at the Alamo uh, Marathon, I saw Centipede Horror from mm-hmm. 1982. It's a Hong Kong horror movie. Um, and it has kind of like a Hong Kong kung fu vibe, even though it's a horror movie. It's about like uh, people getting cursed with like centipede curses, <laughs> like a family being cursed. And I realized that. So how does that how does that manifest? What you said that like we know what centipede curses are. Well, uh, basically, like centipedes are attracted to these people, and then they're like these highly poisonous centipedes that cause oh. them to die. Oh, but gross. Um, I realized, well, luckily, luckily, they only have uh, a million legs, right? Yeah. <laughs> I realize that there's a, there's a lot of the supernatural in uh, Western horror, but there's not a lot of uh, straight up magic in Western horror compared to Eastern horror. Like this is a movie that literally has two wizards duels in it. So if that appeals to you, try and find centipede horror. It was very entertaining. Uh, I watched the movie Bones with Snoop Dogg, which mm-hmm. I had heard oh, yeah. Yeah. was not good. Uh, I think because. In addition to horror movies... And you're here to set the record straight? Well, look, just let me say my thing. Okay. In addition to horror movies... (laughs) There's no need to interrupt. In addition to horror movies uh, not being a critical favorite genre, I think that uh, black-themed movies are often not uh, given their due, and I will take my licks in that area, too. Like, I am not going out and watching as many... Uh, black themed movies as, as I could as a white dude. I, I remember you. I, I think you said it on the podcast. You referred to Selma as Snorefest 2017. Uh, <laughs> please do not spread that around as a thing that happened. Uh, your lies. Uh, I, th- I believe. I believe the, the the quote was "Get over it," said Dan McCoy. <laughs> uh, but Bones is a lot of fun. It's directed by Ernest Dickerson, who was Spike Lee's cinematographer for a long time, and then a uh, director in his own right. He did Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, another horror movie. That's it's great. Better than you would think, yeah. uh, and yeah. Bones is fun. It's kind of starts out like a socially conscious horror movie, and then turns Snoop Dogg into Freddy by the end of it. Uh, it's fun, and then last so he gets fingered. Yeah, and last night I watched uh, <laughs> Crawl, the movie by Alejandra Aja, who did uh, Piranha 3D that mm-hmm. Elliot and Brendan and I all watched on Elliot's uh, wedding day, and uh, <laughs> it's a movie about a woman trapped in a flooding house during a hurricane trying to save her dad as alligators swim all around, and it's a lot of fun. And Barry Pepper plays her swim coach dad. Yeah. That's it. Oh. <laughs> Didn't mean to watch that. What a lot of movies. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie called Ashes and Embers. Uh, this is an independent film from 1982 that until recently – was really only seen much on festival circuits, but Ava DuVernay's uh, company has arranged a limited release for it, and I saw it on the Turner Classic Movies app, so it may still be available in other streaming areas. Uh, it's directed by uh, Haile Garima uh, and stars this actor John Anderson, and it's the story of a black Vietnam veteran who is having trouble reintegrating into main society, and it does such a good job of like getting you inside of his head. It's a very independent film. It's like a very... like you know, rough production-wise movie in some in some parts. But it's like, and it leans a lot on uh, Vietnam stock footage at times in a way that is sometimes very moving and sometimes it's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen that footage. But uh, it's it does such a good job of putting you inside the mind of this character. And it's a story that a lot of other movies have told about Vietnam veterans having trouble getting back to mainstream America. But it's rare that I've seen it in this way, also about someone who is dealing with the fact that they are black in America, and that is not easy. And it touches on the kind of 
multi-generational aspects of that, what it means to the people around him, and how he interacts differently with the people that he has different relationships with. And it's just a really, like, deep, rich movie, and it's structured almost more like a novel than, like, a straightforward plot. And so I found the whole thing very, like, hypnotic by the end and very moving, and there's a couple of really great speeches in it. So if you can find it, and I hope you can, it's called Ashes and Embers. Brendan, what do you got? Um, I got one, and I checked the Flophouse wiki. I don't think you guys have recommended. Uh, Ready or Not, the recent horror comedy. Uh, yeah. I don't no? think so. Safe? Yeah, All right. I saw it. It was good. Oh, damn. Uh, yeah. Saying, but you didn't recommend it, right? I don't think so, no. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, Ready or Not, a uh, super fun horror comedy. Very reminded me of Your Next uh, while playing a little bit with Class Warfare, not very subtly, but in a really fun, entertaining way. Um yeah, stars Samara Wiley, who was also in the other super fun horror movie, um, Mayhem. It's just, it really is just a kind of case of a bride learns on her wedding night that the family she just married into has a crazy um, tradition that could potentially lead to the family trying to kill her, and in this case does, and madness and hijinks ensue. It's um, it's gory and funny and uh, worth checking. But wait, they wait until she's ready, right? Uh, well, I mean, they give her a standard count, and they do, I believe, let her know uh, they are coming. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that kind of keeps with the theme of a young woman who is wronged and seeking revenge. Uh, I'm recommending uh, the Laugh a Minute uh, fun roller coaster of a movie called The Nightingale. Uh, and I'm being totally sarcastic. It is not fun at all. Uh, this is a very difficult movie to get through. Um, it is the latest movie from Jennifer Kent, the writer-director of The Babadook. And this is the movie that she uh, felt very passionately uh, she wanted to do follow, following that. Um, it's about a, uh, it's a period piece. It's a young woman in a young woman who is, I guess, getting out of indentured servitude or trying to in, uh, colonial Tasmania. And she suffers, uh, a horrible abuse at the hands of, uh, the, uh, the, the man, the English officer running the outpost. And uh, it's very difficult to watch. And then the story kind of pulls back and you get to see uh, kind of the situation all through uh, Tasmania at that time and the horrors that are being uh, uh, put upon the indigenous peoples there. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a really difficult watch, um, but it's also very good. So if you are ready to watch something that is not going to be easy to sit through and you might have to walk away a couple times, uh, yeah, check it out. The Nightingale. Uh, and if people want something that's easy to watch, they should watch the old cartoon Tasmania where it's Taz <laughs> and his family. Uh, oh, man. Uh, they actually edited new scenes into that. I don't think they're going to want to watch it. It's pretty rough. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> if people want something that's really easy to watch, uh, they could look at the wall, which is like right there, unless you're outside, and then it's kind of hard to watch because you have to go back inside. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, can't, can't watch it on your phone, you know? No. Yeah, Chris, Christopher Nolan loves it. <laughs> uh, so, guys, but... I mean, he's, he's, like, he's like, every movie is projected on a wall. The most basic movie is that wall. <laughs> what if we... We don't have to worry about film stock because there is no film. It's just the mm-hmm. wall. And they're like, take him away, boys. He's gone insane. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't me that did it. It was the wall. The wall killed them. The wall. Whatever you say, Director Nolan. Very respectful. 
Uh, hey, before we go, uh, yep. I just want to say thank you to Maximum Fun, our network. Thank you for to Jordan for editing the show. Uh, go over to max, MaximumFun.org. Check out all the other podcasts on the network. Some of them, uh, like us, are about film. Some of them, like us, are comedy. Mm-hmm. Some have some... neither of those things. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just culture. Yeah. Yes, some of them mm-hmm. don't like us. Yeah, some of them do hate <laughs> us. I, I get that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, We're jerks. who do you have the food feud against? Uh, well, we, uh, what feud should we start right now that doesn't actually exist? But I mean, we'll, we have that we have, we have that existing feud, feud with, with Hodgman, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. actually, yeah, he do- actually doesn't like us. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Hodgman. That's that's. Yeah. A, um, yeah. Elliot, you usually you. say some stuff around this time about promoting ourselves. What do you got? Well, uh, if you liked this podcast, and I hope you did, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Please make it a good review, five stars perhaps, and say something nice about us. Why don't you tell people about the podcast? Tweet about us, Instagram about us, TikTok about us, uh, YouTube about us, whatever you want to do. Blog about us, splog about us, maybe jump in a bog about us. <laughs> but please, wear like wading pants if you do that. I don't yeah. want you to ruin your good slacks because you've got a bar mitzvah to go to. Yeah, so, uh, so go to your uh, local Dick Sporting Goods and ask for some bog. <laughs> Bog wading pants. Guys. Get some bog trotters Guys. and uh, go on out there and spread the word about the flop house. Uh, once again, we, as Dan mentioned, we rely on listeners like you to support us throughout the year uh, from the Maxman Drive, and we really appreciate it. It keeps the lights on and it keeps the beat. Yeah, and and no. thanks for being our guest, Brendan. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and th- as a fan, it was quite nice to be on this side of it. Thanks for being here. Now you see how the sausage is made. Yeah. It's hideous. <laughs> My stomach has been churned this entire time. <laughs> and uh, Harvey Street Kids. Uh, Harvey Girls Harvey Forever. Forever. Formerly yeah. Harvey Street Kids. It's now, not crazy. Now Harvey Girls Forever. It's uh, on Netflix now, and it's really good. But uh, go watch it. Leave a good review for that. Yeah. And then leave a good review for the Flophouse. And until then, I remain Stuart Wellington. I've been Dan McCoy. I guess I'm Elliot Kalen. I guess I'm just me, oh, Brendan Hay. No, Brendan. Oh. Do you want to make up All a right. name that you could yeah. be? I am John Galt. <laughs> no! <laughs> See you next time. And he disappeared. <laughs> I think William Shakespeare said... Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Love the one you're with? <laughs> uh, wait, I gotta look it up. Just chill, bro. Okay. Yeah, I think William Shakespeare said, just chill, bro. Yeah. yeah. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.